you don't want to have to start thinking about your response plan while you're being under attack. That's the worst scenario you can have. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. My guest today is Ben Cowell, Senior Security Delivery Manager at Accenture in charge of the company's Active Directory security offering in France. Hey, everyone. Hey, Ben, you're helping them build Active Directory security programs, right? Is that the idea? Yeah, that's that's the main focus that we're trying to reach right now at Accenture in France is to help our customers define, you know, a security, an active directory security program with, you know, reachable milestones within the three, six, nine, 12 months uh, to come. Oh, I apologize. I, I butchered your last name. Us Americans doing a terrible job on the pronouncing the French. So what is the correct way for the record? What is the correct way of pronouncing your last name? So the correct way would be Coella, or actually could also be Covelle, depending from you know where you are in France. So among other things, Ben was a speaker at last month's HIP Europe conference, where he talked about what happens around Active Directory security when somebody gets in and what sort of things you should be aware of. And I think that that's really important, really relevant right now. I mean, we've got this blight of ransomware seemingly happening everywhere. And I know that many IT managers and IT pros out there are anxious about what to do if they get hit themselves. And it, this isn't just anxious about the mechanics of responding to and recovering from such an attack. They're also worried about what to do technically and organizationally and quickly when they realize they're under attack. You focus on helping build these things. Maybe if we start and talk a little bit about the timeline of an attack, perhaps where you may come in or where the different the different major points that happen in the attack that an I, a manager or IT pro needs to be aware of. So Sean, it actually really depends um, you know, on we're talking about the timeline. So it really depends where you sort of realize that there's an attack happening, of course. Uh, is it during the attack itself, meaning you didn't see the first steps, but then you sort of see maybe, I don't know, some lateral movement or privilege escalation or stuff like that? Or did you want to talk about the fact that you're coming back from lunch and um, you basically go to a computer and now you have a, a message on your computer saying that you've been you know, crypto locked and you have eight hours to pay before the ransom doubles and we delete your files by the end of the week. So which part did you want to talk about, Sean? <laughs> right. Well, let's start with the optimistic one where you see uh, through some monitoring, you see something unusual happening in the environment uh, that either perhaps, you know, in the large organizations, your SOC has notified you or, you know, um, in a smaller organizations, you may see it yourself. Uh, what are some of the first technical steps that you should take to regardless of, because at that point you have no idea of the magnitude. You don't know anything other than that okay, yay, verily, this is not normal. Um, what, what are the first things that, what are the first technical steps that someone should take to help protect themselves? So 
my 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 way of thinking actually changed on this one uh, throughout the years because well you know you you've been working with a you know, Active Directory for quite some time and so have I. I mean I've been messing around with Active Directory since I don't know something like 2004 or something like that. And at the time, I don't know, the, the, the attacks were not the same. I mean, we didn't have ransomwares just like we have them today or ransomware as a service and we weren't getting crypto locked. It was more about, you know, let's say um, documents uh, being being taken and, you know, data being exfiltrated. It was more about DLP. Um, right now, the main concern is really regarding, you know, the ransomwares. And um, well, part of my customers actually um, had a sock and, you know, the guys got in, the sock didn't see it and about two minutes later, um, whole company was uh, was crypto locked so the thing is um i would say that if you're still in this optimistic uh, step as you were saying where you're not coming back from lunch and your computer is not you know locked uh, if, if you start to see i don't know something unusual so if you're not let's say a big com big company uh with your sock with an edr with all the tools that you can imagine if let's say if you're a smaller medium-sized business and you still have, I don't know, some auditing, you know, let's say that's, those are really the basics. I mean, if they have auditing, you know, on the privileged groups and they start to see, you know, membership change or stuff like that, let's say, let's say the attack is around there. So they're trying to get some privilege escalation and stuff like that. I would say that everything is time sensitive. If, if you were to compare this, so as a little joke um, during HIP, I put a little picture of Fast and Furious, you know, the movie, and I said, you basically owe me a 10 second car. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say there is that everything is really time sensitive. The attacker's in, so now you realize that someone's messing around, so they're in. You don't know how they're in. You probably don't have the time to chase around that. You'd like to know, you know, what they've accessed, what they're doing, but even if you start looking into that, it could just be, as I said, you know, someone coming in and is going to crypto lock you as fast as possible, you know, to make a, to make a buck out of it after that. So my first concern right now for most companies is actually the backup part, um, because as I've said during HIP and as we've been discussing earlier on, um, I work for, for, you know, most Fortune 500 companies. And uh, a lot of these companies do say that they have a DRP plan and, you know, they, they go through their backups and everything. But when you really check everything... They don't usually go through the backups. Maybe they do it once a year uh, at best. And when they usually do it, they only go for, you know, restoring a single domain controller. We're not even talking about the whole forest. So I'm just imagining I'm transposing this now to, a, to an SMB. If these huge companies that actually have tons of IT personnel don't go through that, I would imagine that an SMB probably doesn't do it and they never check their backups. So potentially they might be thinking that their 80 backups are running. But have they checked their backups? Did they check to see if the backups were not even, you know, crypto locked or anything? I mean, did anybody tamper with, you know, their backup system? So I would say that the first part for me right now, as of as of 2021, and let's say it's actually been running for the two two past years, I would say the first part is really to check the backups. So if if you're not using, you know, any specific software uh, to perform the backups, I'd go with uh, something pretty simple, meaning, you know, you have Maybe so if we're lucky enough, we're talking about a business that has, let's say, a few domain controllers. OK, let's just imagine they don't have one. They have a few. I would just try to figure out, you know, which is your candidate that doesn't replicate all the time, you know, because it's like a, a far away, far away domain controller uh, that doesn't service much. I would I would go ahead and shut that down to buy some time, because if you get crypto locked, at least you could start out with one machine that's been disconnected from the network and you can start and come back you know, a little faster. 
once you've done that, and it should take you a couple of seconds to do, I wouldn't say that you're safe, but at least you've, you've bought some time on that part. I'd go to the second step and say, as I said, is going with, you know, backing up the Active Directory, but the proper way. So if you don't have any specific software to do it, of course, you can just go with a Windows backup, um, but not leaving that backup, of course, on your domain controller. I would recommend, of course, you know, backing it up and taking that backup and putting it to an external drive that would be, you know, some offline storage and something where you could recover it. I would say that that would definitely be the first thing that I would check for. In other words, make sure that regardless of what happens, you have a way to climb back from a worst case scenario, protecting against a worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah, that most definitely. I mean, in, in your experience in the past, how many times, so we're not talking about, you know, 2017 to 2021, but you've been in Active Directory for quite some time now. So let's say between 2000 and 2015, how many cases did you get where they actually, you know, an attacker came and actually locked up all of Active Directory and you had to go with a full forced uh, recovery? I'm not talking about an administrator or an operation going wrong where they actually, you know, messed up the NTDS. I'm really talking about an attack where they where they flattened out AD. Did you ever have those before right. 20, 2015? Right, exactly. And the answer is practically zero. And that also is the you know, the, we've been around 80 for a long time. The boogeyman was the schema gone wrong scenario, which also was practically zero. Zero. Our own research that we held on, on with a number of companies, uh, we surveyed about 200 companies a couple of years ago, confirms what you're talking about, which was that over 50% of the companies that we surveyed either have never tested their Active Directory recovery plan or they don't have one at all. Yeah, I'm not surprised on that one. And that is also something, as I said, so most companies today work and they think about, you know, just uh, ticking the boxes, you know, I have to do active directory backup. So I receive an email every day that says that my AD backup has been performed. So I just tick the box, my AD backup has been performed and I'm all safe. But nobody is going to really check that backup is really operational. And during the year, they're probably not even going to go for a DRP test. And if they ever go for a DRP test, as I said, they probably will only go for backing up and restoring. I mean, restoring a single domain controller, which in our case, as we said, since you know the past few years, will not be effective because nowadays when you get attacked, you basically get your Active Directory flattened. And it's not just uh, restoring one domain controller that's going to help you out. It's going through the whole process of a full force recovery. Right, and actually a, a twist to your recommendation of taking a domain controller offline is that if you are an organization that's been around for a long time and you have a root domain and child domains underneath it, make sure you take a root domain controller offline as well um, because you'll be very disappointed if you just have a child domain controller. As Sean just said, if, if you're an organization with either an empty root or let's say a, a root and child or children, let's say different different child domains, then of course we're talking about taking one domain controller per domain offline, not just one in one domain. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that would give you the potential for having a, um, <clears throat> a working force at the far end of all of this. So let's say, okay, we've just done that and say, all right, I feel like I've shut down one of my domain controllers. I've unplugged it from the network if or disconnected the, the, the virtual switch. Uh, so I feel like I have that. What are the broadly steps that people should be 
doing to try to figure out what's going on in their Active Directory? So let's say you just bought yourself some time, because as we said, it's all about buying time, right? You're you're being under attack, and and we could actually you know compare this to any scenario. I'm not just talking about computer stuff. I'm even talking about real life. I would compare this to like a hostage situation. So you know that something is going wrong and you you know everybody always tries to buy time when you look at the movies there's always a negotiator everybody's trying to buy time so this is basically the same thing that we're doing on our side so we're buying buying some time um you're just trying to pull a safety net so the safety net as i said step one bring the domain control domain or domain controllers off depending on the number of domains you have once that's done go with a standard you know windows backup why not of your Active Directory, put that offline. So now let's say that you technically have one way of recovering, or at least two ways, two ways, or at least one way of recovering in case, you know, the worst comes, uh, the worst scenario, you know, actually applies in your ransomware after that. I would actually even try to push that one step further um, because I'm pretty sure that you've already been through this, but maybe some people you know, have never tried to, to recover, do a full forced recovery. It's a real tedious process. And if you guys have never done it, it's a real nightmare usually. Um, if you look at the Microsoft white papers on how we're supposed to perform a, a recovery, you know, a full forced recovery, we're talking about, I think if I can remember correctly, the white paper is something between 30 and 40 pages long. Um, there's a lot of steps that you have to take, uh, you know, into account. And of course, when you're under a lot of stress and you have, you know, people barging into your office saying, well, now we can't use our computer. What's happening? When is the business coming back up online? Going through all that process of going through those steps one by one is, as I said, tedious. And the other thing is sometimes if you don't go through the steps in the right order, then you have to start all the way back from scratch. Um, what we've noticed in most companies that we work for, an unprepared customer who has to go through a forced recovery, let's say if we're lucky enough that he has a backup somewhere that he's able to find, they never come back online before, let's say about five days. So I'm not talking about an SMB there. I'm talking about, you know, broader companies, but they usually have a lot of trouble, you know, bringing, coming back up before five days. And when we're talking about really unprepared companies and we can't find any backups and we really have to look everywhere in the world to try to find something, we're talking about two weeks or more. I mean, if we take if we take the latest French companies, because as you guys recall, I do work in France, some of these companies, and we're talking about major companies, uh, in 2017, this was publicly stated, so I can talk about it. We're going to talk about Saint-Gobain, which is a huge company that works in glass manufacturing. Um, they actually took two months to come back. That is something that I now try to really avoid uh, with the customer is to not have, let's say, a dedicated and, you know, really functional backup software solution for Active Directory. This is where I discovered um, some Paris ADFR, um, which was an interesting tool for me from several perspectives. The first one is that it's pretty easy to implement. I've been implementing it for some of my customers, and we're only talking about, let's say, a few weeks to two months, depending on the organization size, you know, if they're, you know, throughout the world and stuff like that. So it's pretty easy to implement. Um, and behind that, the most important part is the, the recovery part is um, it's a single click. You don't have to go through a thousand different steps. Just clicking on one button for me is, is like the easiest way to do things, especially when things have gone wrong. 
and uh, you got the pressure of the whole company on your shoulders saying, when are we coming back? How can I communicate with all my partners? What's the time frame? Uh, who's going to work tonight? Who's going to be working tomorrow? I want an update every 15 minutes and stuff like that, which makes things even harder. I like to depend you know, on a reliable solution where one click does it all. To help people that are not familiar with Active Directory, I like to think of the farther away you are from actually hands-on with Active Directory, the less familiar you would be with the ugliness of a forest recovery. And I took one slide and I put, there are, so Ben, there are 28 steps uh, right. in, the, in the recovery process. And then there is a thread for every domain that has to happen in parallel with, with times for like threat hunting and, you know, uh, as you're in your recovery. And then further along, there is a, a thread for every domain controller mm -hmm. in the environment. And yeah, as you say, and you're speaking from experience, first off, technically it's fiendish. Second off, logistically, it's like trying to prepare an army for battle in multiple locations while the generals are screaming at you. That is definitely the type of scenario that you actually don't want to run into. I mean, we're all praying for this never to happen. What are the, and since we are talking about product, I, I feel that it's important to mention that we offer a free Active Directory security assessment tool that will serve you called Purple Knight that helps you out beforehand and allows you to look at your vulnerability level and has been used, as you are well aware, has been used in flight, in anger, to help look for changes made to Active Directory, unauthorized changes made to Active Directory. Let's talk about perhaps some of the, the non-technical aspects for this in terms of an organization uh, and the, the business aspects or the notification aspects. When they see this, who should be notified right away? Do you notify the business? Do you notify your board? Uh, or do you, do you immediately try to reach out to your, maybe you have an incident response partner or, or if you don't, how do you go about finding an incident response partner? So before I answer that, can we just come back a few steps? We were talking about Purple Knight. If we're, if we're not going to talk about a specific product, let's just say that you have uh, a tool that allows you to assess your active directory quite a few levels, let's say. And usually this is something that most companies think about, you know, okay, we're going to run this, go through the audit, go through the steps and see basically what our scorecard is, how we can improve our active directory to try to make it, you know, more robust and not fall into the issue that we're talking about right now. But there is actually another way of using audit tools or specifically Purple Knight. We were talking about the backups earlier on. And now my question for these companies, because this is a real concern that we have now, is you said that, all right, all of a sudden we, we discover that this threat actor is roaming around, let's say, your information system. We still don't know how long he's been there. And we don't even know if this is maybe, is this the first time that he's in and that you're discovering this? Or maybe has he been there for, you know, quite a few months and he, he's just, you know, waiting for stuff, maybe exfiltrating data and doing things. And maybe he created, I don't know, some backdoors. Maybe there's some things that have changed a little bit on Active Directory and that you weren't able to see at the time. And you're backing these up, basically. So if even if you're crypto locked and you know everything goes upside down, let's say, and you decide to restore your Active Directory from the backups that you've been performing, you're still going to basically restore your Active Directory in the state it was prior to the attack or just before, when I'm talking about the attack, I mean, just before you got crypto locked. But that doesn't make you safe, right? It still means that you're coming back. Maybe some, you know, so the threat actor, you basically restored his accounts. 
Uh, you've got the backdoors that are still there. And this is one of the things that I would say is it's not just about backing up and restoring. For one of our customers, what we actually did is this customer did not have any audit, you know, any specific software to audit Active Directory and try to see anything. So we didn't actually know what was backed up and you know what was inside the backup. So what we did is we restored that backup and uh, isolated environment. And then we installed Purple Knight on that environment. And then we ran, of course, Purple Knight to try to see, you know, anything that was incorrectly configured and anything that was not done correctly or anything that was basically suspicious. So it allowed us, you know, to have a sort of a lab, but it was the production environment in an isolated environment and allowed us to go through everything to see, you know, what we should improve if anything was not configured correctly or anything was suspicious and basically revert that before going back to your production environment. In other words, ensure that before you open it up, you're not using a, a movie reference. It's not Groundhog Day where you wake up and it happens all over again, right? Yeah, exactly. So so that I would say from the technical perspective, before we get into the non-technical stuff, I would say that that is also, you know, like the, the second part of it. If you haven't been monitoring AD, if you haven't been going through these software programs that can that can actually, you know, give you some scorecards and some indication of you know, what's happening on AD, this is definitely something that you want to use before you restore Active Directory if you're in a full com compromise scenario. To come back to your question, I don't know if you want to state it again, but I would say for the, for the non-technical part, and this is something that we've also seen and we try, this is part of our enhancement roadmap. So when we, when we help our customers out, it's not just about the technical stuff. We also go through the non-technical stuff. We're going to talk about governance. We're going to talk about you know an emergency response plan, things like that. And I would also focus mainly on the chain of command um, because when when you're sort of hit by an attack and you try to come back as fast as possible let's say all the you, you might have different people in the company with different objectives so the cio uh, might want something the cto might want something else if you're big enough you might have a CISO, so he probably has his own plans then you got the people from the business side that really want to come back because they don't want to be losing hundreds of thousands or maybe millions per day um Side note on that one, one of our customers in the pharmaceutical company, um, so this is a customer that we work with, it's one of our big partners, they actually evaluated a $70 million loss per day uh, when their 36 Active Directory forests are down. That's just wow. to give you some insight. 36 forests, you said? 36 forests, and they have a red forest, of course. They have a hardened forest. But it's a 36 forest environment. And when all, if, if all forests were to be brought down, that's a $70, $70 million per day. Wow. <laughs> so from the start, of course, any company can help you out. I would say any professional can help you out on all the technical stuff that you're supposed to do. Um, but I would say that Today, it's not just about the technical stuff, as, as we just discussed. It's also about all this non-technical stuff that you have to set in place. So you said we're discovering that you know something's going wrong. Who are you supposed to contact? What we usually do when we set up this, I wouldn't say, well, I would, I would call it, yeah, the emergency response plan, of course, is you have to communicate. This is the first thing. Don't if, if you're, I don't know, an admin or a system engineer, don't keep it to yourself. This is, as we said, everything is really time sensitive. So I gave you a few steps, a few tips of what you can do to make sure that you have your safety net. Now that you have this safety net or while you're building the safety net, you have to communicate. What we usually do 
when we have our teams in place for, the, for, the, for these companies, we bring up a call under 15 minutes. We actually have a control tower that will you know, open a call in under 15 minutes. We bring up all the technical actors that's on one call, and then we have all the business partners that's a separate call. And we just try to keep going back and forth through the calls to try to explain what's going on and trying to keep the heat off, of course, of the technical people. The most important part now that you have all these people around the table is to get a global consensus. And this, as I would say, depending on the size of your company can be really complicated. And my example, it was a company that was you know, in the US and in France. First of all, we had all the time zones and stuff that, that were pretty hard to cover. And the second of all is not everyone has the same objectives. So before we had eight people signing off on something that we were offering, this was taking quite some time. So once you've built these calls, the most important part is to have, you know, a defined chain of command. You might have a usual chain of command, you know, when you're running the company on a daily basis and everything's nice and sunny outside and everything is, you know, going well. But when something with this magnitude is actually happening, um, you have to define who will be taking a command. So who's going to be responsible and accountable, uh, you know, for all the choices that are made. And if possible, of course, it's always pretty hard to maybe have one person. So you might be able to have two people, um, two people to take decisions. We usually go for one person uh, making all the decisions and uh, let's say a backup if that person is unreachable uh, or is, you know, sick or yeah, basically unreachable. We always have a backup for that. But we try to to avoid having 50 different people making the decisions because as we said, it's a matter of seconds. So we can't always you know, go back and forth for hours or days or weeks in some scenarios. It has to be done quickly. That is such an important point, Ben. And I, because I, I, I speak from personal experience, not from cyber attacks, but just from you know, IT related issues around active directories, like major active directory issues. And having been involved, the important point of having the technical people in one bridge, trying to get the technical issues resolved in the business people and managers on the other bridge and not having too much, let's call it cross-pollination because all the, the business managers would do would be to disrupt the forward progress of the technical people because they are working as fast as they can. Uh, I've been dropped into business bridges like that in my, in my Intel time and the high level managers say, I don't care what happened, just get it back up right now. And all it does is raise the stress level of what you're trying to do. Well, Ben, I, I would really like to thank the time that you spent here. I think you've got some really, really great uh, insights on what to pay attention to, what steps to take. There's a little parallel here between we've talked about actually having a forced recovery plan and actually having an incident response plan with a hierarchy defined. In other words, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is prepare now for what may happen, both technically and organizationally, uh, so that if something does happen, you can just pull a switch and you don't have to figure it out while everyone's under stress. That's that's exactly what I was talking about. And it's not something that's so hard to pull off. I mean, it really depends on your organization, your size, um, you know, if you're a worldwide span or not. But this is definitely something that needs to be thought about when everything is, you know, 
calm everything is running this is when you can plan for this type of stuff you don't want to have to start thinking about your response plan while you're being under attack that's the worst scenario you can have you really have to define it when everybody is uh, cool and relaxed as we said define the key people define who's accountable and try to see you know the major steps um that that will need to take place of course and who's going to make decisions in the future Great. Thank you very much for your time, Ben. Uh, Valuable information. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com. That's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.